the truth is that, you know, you haven't dealt with a lot of those softer issues. And so a lot of us put up this mask or the suit of armor that our ego plays in. And I think social anxiety is that. Welcome to the Let's Start Health podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Haynes. We live in a noisy world, and this space is intended to bring you clarity, enrich your bank of wellness knowledge, and inspire you to kickstart your journey to healing body, mind, and soul. I'll be interviewing industry professionals and bringing you raw, real, and personal stories of healing through gut health, intuitive eating, and the power of the abundance mindset. Thank you so much for tuning in and getting curious. Your journey to healing starts Welcome back to Let's Start Health. Listen, I'm going to be totally candid. I have been uh, putting off doing this intro because I'm sure you are also feeling like me, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed seems to be the general consensus right now. And I want to offer to you that nature is not turned off. Community is not turned off. Um, The ability to ground down and go inward is not shut down. We have options here, people. I am going live every single day on Instagram doing dance flash mobs. So if you are on Instagram, come find me at the Chelsea Haynes. I am doing live dance flash mobs. It is so fun. It gets my body going. It gets me amped up. It gets me inspired. Just listening to the music, I can't help myself but to move my body, get my chakras open and going. And I don't know about you, but being quarantined at home, self-isolation, though I work from home by myself most of the time anyway, it sort of feels like there's a different vibe right now. So if you are in need of community, if you are in need of something to do right now, if you are craving movement at a time where gyms might be shut down, come find me on Instagram, the Chelsea Haynes, and come dance with me. It's a lot of fun. I probably make a fool of myself, but I literally do not care. And yes, I said literally there. (laughs) You guys, I'm so excited to introduce you today. One of my all-time big, inspiring people, his name is Mark Metry. He has a podcast called Humans 2.0, and this time last year, I sat in Panama as I was just thinking about starting my business and launching my podcast, and he was my inspiration. So to have him on my podcast truly is mind-blowing. It's one of those moments of holy crap. This is actually happening. So Mark, thank you so much for your time, your energy, and your effort coming on the show and sharing your story with us. You guys, Mark Mentry is an extremely inspiring person. He shares his personal story of how he went from near suicidal to one of the top 100 podcasts around. He's an inspiring, motivational speaker. He has so much to offer. He offers so much free content on LinkedIn. He is open to connecting to anyone and everyone. And drum roll, He just wrote a book, Screw Being Shy. I am so excited to have a read of this book. He's got so much value jam-packed in this book and action step tools that you can really take to number one, start learning the physiology and the biology of your body and what is going on if you do struggle with social anxiety and steps and tools that you can take to start growing from this place, how you can start shifting your mindset from a place of fear and scarcity to how can I alchemize this 
into an opportunity for my best life. Of course, you know this is my jam. I'm so grateful to have Mark. I cannot wait to dive into today's episode with you. And I just wanted to share a couple quick announcements. We are taking a break in April. The last time we took a break was in September. Change of seasons feels like an amazing time to be able to just take a deep breath, batch some content so we can come back for the summer season. Season three of Let's Start Health will roll out in May. Now would be an amazing time to binge listen on season one and season two of Let's Start Health, where we are here to try to inspire and have the vulnerable, interesting, or hard conversations needed in order to really break through stigmas of mental and physical health, you guys coming together as a community, sharing all of the feels so we can inspire and educate anyone on a journey to healing. I am here for you. Please connect with us online. Find us on Instagram, Let's Start Health. Find us on Facebook. We have a private group, Let's Start Health. We've got all sorts of exciting things happening this year. So I look forward to hearing from you. Please leave a rating and review so that way we can keep these episodes going, the momentum going, the inspiration, paying it forward. Without further ado, thank you again. I introduce to you Mr. Mark Metry. Well, Mark Metry, I just have to take a moment and say thank you so much for being here. And I'll fangirl for just a moment and share with you that this is such a synchronistic moment for me because last year at this time, as I was just launching my gut health coaching business and I was trying to niche down and figure out what I was doing, I, I started becoming active on LinkedIn and I just synchronistically and accidentally came across your profile. And of course, through that, I found Humans 2.0, which then led me to Naveen Jain and Viome and I am just so grateful. Here I am a year later with my own podcast, and you were a big, huge piece of this inspiration for me. So I just want to say thank you so much, and I'm going to hand the mic over, and I'd love just to ask you by please sharing a little bit about your personal story and then bringing us to what you're doing now, and then we're going to dive deep. So first and foremost, I just want to say that what you just said is the reason why I do what I do. Because I have said what you have just said, been in that same seat to so many other people that, you know, without them, I don't know where, you know, my life could have definitely gone. I think, you know, what I've learned is that um, the best people that you should listen to are not necessarily people that are going to hold your hand and guide you, but are going to teach you the ability to become your own guide. And that's what I think it's all about. You know, that's why you did the breaths we stretched. And, you know, now I feel like I'm definitely in the zone. But, um, but yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, I mean, for me, like, honestly, uh, every single thing that I do today, whether it's uh, speaking on a stage or speaking on a podcast or speaking with someone else and, like, podcast, uh, Amazon Prime documentary series, other films that I've been a part of. When you look at all those mediums or, you know, the LinkedIn posts that I write, this book that I have coming out March 14th, uh, Screw Being Shy. Um, when you look at all those things, you know, I am talking about the very things that I 
was always super afraid of and would hate to ever let the world know about and talk about for, you know, the first 18 years of my life. So, you know, I've just kind of been on this journey for the last um, like four or five years now of real um, just conscious, uh, uh, just, I don't know, exploration, freedom, um, really just kind of learning who I am and, um, you know, just trying to not only grow myself, but also grow other people because that's how I know that world just comes around. And so, yeah, it's been definitely an interesting four or five years on this journey. And I'm happy to be a guest on your podcast. (laughs) Amen to that, Mark. I'm just so excited to be able to share your journey and your story with my audience and my listeners. And I really, I mean, one of the reasons that pulled me, which was funny, intuitively, just I want to say a week prior to you posting like, hey, who's up for having me on their podcast in the show? Maybe this is TMI, but in the shower, I was like, <laughs> this is where I do my do my best thinking. <laughs> right. I'm like, I need to have Mark on the show. I need to share with my audience what this person has done. So if you feel comfortable, I would love to take it back maybe four or five years from where you are now. And I'd love to ask you, I, I remember you sharing quite vulnerably sort of where you are at. And I'd love for you just to share with my audience now, if you feel comfortable, what was life like for you four or five years ago? So, you know, I have, I have problems like everyone else. Uh, everyone has, um, you know, their own issues. And I thought for the longest time ever that, um, you know, I didn't really like have a, a story or anything like that. And it turns out sometimes, you know, you're just really looking at whatever it is that you have around you constantly. And it becomes the background. And like, what I'm talking about is like, you know, there was this, um, there's this analogy out there um i forget the name of the guy but he talks about goldfish in a bowl and you know two goldfish are swimming in water and uh one goldfish that's the other one you know what do you think about the temperature of water i don't remember the exact thing but (laughs) i'm sure you know it and i'm probably butchering it but um (laughs) (laughs) no no um, i'm right with you it's okay (laughs) essentially you know that fish is and and the fish goes wait what's what are you talking about what's water and so you know these fish are swimming in water it's invisible to them but yet if a fish tries to go above water it can't and so therefore you know we all live in stuff like water whether it's our belief system or a particular mindset that we get into because something bad or traumatic happened to us before earlier in our lives that, um, that we can sort of cling on to. And so for me, that was social anxiety. For me, that was, you know, I remember being like eight, nine years, uh, like third grade and uh, moving to a new school out of like a major city that has a lot of people to a smaller town with just 5,000 people. And, um, you know, definitely has kind of like small mentality uh, vibes, a bubble. If you're from a small town, you definitely know what I'm talking about. But, um, you know, another thing about it is uh, in this town that I was in, you know, there was almost no diversity. And so um, I was basically the only person who didn't look like everybody else, out of maybe like a, a couple other people who I became friends with. <laughs> and so essentially, you know, I remember in third grade kind of coming and I remember – moving to this new area, this new school. Uh, I remember, you know, facing, uh, you know, an extreme amount of racism and uh, all sorts of bullying 
And I also remember at that same time, I also began to, um, you know, experience like physical health issues too, like uh, ADD, asthma, issues with my stomach, appendix, gut, skin, <laughs> sleep, bladder, all sorts of different kinds of issues. And so I remember going to, you know, various doctors like all the time, getting prescribed all different kinds of medications. And I remember just having no energy. And I was a terrible sleeper, never really slept. Um, and, uh, and when I did, I had like nightmares <laughs> and pretty bad moments where I would wet the bed. You know, that was sort of my life until like nine, 10 years old, until basically 18, when I graduated high school and moved on to college, which I went to the school where your brother went in Boston. And, you know, college is kind of really where um, things took a different turn where I just kind of, you know, began to learn more about life, began to understand like cause and effect. People are different than me. Um, kind of like shifting that water around you in that kind of goldfish bowl analogy before. And, you know, I kind of realized a little bit more about myself. I kind of realized that I was for sure definitely interesting, different, um, you know, in the lens of, you know, I think I had a lot of problems for sure. And I, you know, I had, I had no friends, so I had no social life. I, didn't try at sports at all. So I was not athletic. I spent most of my life not moving. Uh, I was a terrible student, got bad grades. I um, was not creative or artistic or musical or like any of those things at all. And so for me, my kind of escape was the internet and just like starting different things like websites, apps, eventually businesses. And so I remember doing this at a very young age and I definitely started a ton of things that just didn't work. Like I don't even, I don't even keep count of how many things I've started to different ventures. Most of them failed, but some of them definitely early on succeeded. And um, I definitely became financially successful from that perspective. That was maybe the only kind of win that I had. And so when I went to college and I was just kind of like, people were asking me about my life and stuff. I was like, oh, wait. Like I, you know, I did something that kind of interesting. And um, I mean, there's so many other things that we don't have to get into right now, but um, I was definitely an interesting kid. And, <laughs> and so I kind of like slowly began to, you know, realize my potential. And especially I remember going to my first college party and I remember, um, you know, I never really dabbled with alcohol or drugs previously in my life. But when I went to college, I remember I got drunk for the first time. And I remember being able to walk up to any girl, guy talking, saying whatever, and just like experiencing what life was like without social judge judgment, like while my brain was like freaking out, overthinking, thoughts racing, um, you know, palms sweating, <laughs> knees weak, armpits sweating, all different kinds of things. Um, there's the different signs of social anxiety. And when I experienced that, I was like, wait, what just kind of happened? And then, you know, looking back at it, you know, alcohol, you know, shuts off the part of your brain temporarily that monitors social judgment. But, you know, alcohol is definitely not a substance to be messing around with. Uh, it's the third leading cause of death in America. It's very serious. And it can, it can set you up on the path towards dependency. It's so sad to say, but I get so many emails and messages from people that I don't really know how to help that say, you know, I have so much anxiety that I cannot go to sleep without drinking alcohol, or I can't do this without drinking alcohol. And so I'm lucky I never really got down that path, super dark with really any kind of substance. But 
when I experienced that, I was like, wait, I have social anxiety. Why can't I do this when I'm not drunk? And so that was actually my first conscious awareness of realizing that I had social anxiety. Up to that point, I never knew that I had this. I just thought that I was some super weird kid that was just messed up, a moral failure. That's just what I thought of. Like nobody else like me is like this. Uh, I'm definitely like an outcast. And so when I realized that, I was like, oh, crap, right? And when you realize something, you almost can't become unconscious of it unless you try to escape it through, you know, I think what happened was as I went to college, as I kind of realized a little bit that I was an interesting person and I had a little bit Mm -hmm. of potential and I realized I had this major problem that was placing all sorts of unconscious boundaries in my life, like the water in the goldfish uh, bowl. And so I was like, wait, I now have a decision to make. I can now go on path one, which is the ideal path of, trying to learn more about this, trying to go on the path, trying to go on the attack, trying to go on the conquest of just trying to figure out and maybe undo and grow and become better at some of these problems and some of these goals that you want a future to achieve one day. And then there's also the other path, which is known as the path of least resistance, which is keep trying to escape, keep trying to do the least amount of work that you can do to just try to get by to just try to um you know just go through just gliding just going through the motions and um you know they they refer to that as um, a lot of people refer to that as living a life of quiet desperation where it's like you know i remember growing up where almost every single night i would think back on the day And I'd be like, man, I have so many regrets. I should have said this to this person. I should have done that. I should have said this. I should have done this differently. And that level of pain is so terrible, you know, and, and, and some people, you know, only figure it out on their deathbed. And, you know, if you look at, for example, uh, this Australian palliative uh, nurse that takes care of people in the last 12 weeks of um, them dying, the five regrets of the dying. Right, exactly. One of the main regrets that she decided to, uh, or not she decided, but she picked up that every single one of them said was they all regretted living a life that wasn't their own and just what whatever people wished of them. And so you can look at it from that way too. And you know, today, I don't really have that. You know, Today, honestly, if I died, I wouldn't have any kind of regrets. And um, um, yeah, so... So yeah, so for me, I kind of uh, felt this uh, throughout my entire life. And I just began to think out in the future of like, you know, if I don't get on path number one, which is the path I know I should be on, I'm going to like 10, 12 years from now when I'm 30, I'm going to have a terrible life. I'm going to have I'm gonna have a garbage, not a garbage life, but I'm going to have such a low level of existence because I didn't do the things that I actually wanted to do. I didn't tackle and work and be, develop a relationship with fear that, um, you know, what I began to figure out was actually a compass in my life. And so, and then because of that, I'm going to have so many boundaries and so many terrible things that I don't want. You know, I'm going to work some job that I hate. That's like the least amount of work that I can do just because I don't want to develop those social relationships. And the thing is like, if you have social anxiety, it's one of the worst problems to have because you can't communicate to others. And if you actually look at it psychologically, you can't actually communicate yourself. And so, and it's a, it's a successive need to manage your 
self-image in different social interactions that you have with people. And so it's not just about sort of um, what you do with other people, but it's actually a, a mental health issue that affects yourself individually, even not in groups too. And I hear a lot of people that say, you know, hey, I'm not shy, but um, when you actually look at it, you realize that whenever they go, they have to go to a networking event or a party, they always just go to the bar or, you know, they, they eat something or they smoke something before or something like that to shift, to artificially shift their state to not have social anxiety and to not be themselves. Or some people, it's not a substance. Some people it is acting this certain way or, um, you know, going to the gym a ton and making sure that people know you're physically strong when the truth is that, you know, you haven't dealt with a lot of those softer issues. And so a lot of us put up this mask or the suit of armor that our ego plays in. And I think social anxiety is that. And so um, I actually don't even remember where I was going with this point, but what was the question? Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. And I mean, you've dropped so many nuggets of wisdom here. And, you know, I want to just digest all of that, pun intended, and backing it up a little bit, you know, it sounds to me like from the beginning, you have sort of had this relentless pursuit, right? But the pursuit didn't necessarily start until you had this awareness. And, and you know, this is, you know, the intention really even of holding this space and sharing this story is, you know, Let's Start Health is a safe place to get vulnerable to share how we have alchemized these things. So I want to ask you, going back to that time where you sort of painted a picture of this guy who was really unable to communicate not only with the world around him, but with himself, was not very physically active, you know, needed alcohol to feel comfortable in the presence of other people. What do you think it was? Like, what was that moment? Because of course, once something is seen, it cannot be unseen, right? Just like what you said, we can't unlearn something. We can't unlearn something, sorry, but once something is learned, once something is seen, we, we can't turn the blind eye to it anymore. Right. It's like, oh man. So reflecting back on that time where you were feeling this social anxiety, and I'm sure that you've shared that depression was also a piece of that. It was kind of a piggyback piece of that. What do you think was sort of the shifting point for you or the, the moment, or is it even possible to pin down to the exact thing or moment that you said, all right, I have to create this shift or else. Like, what was that straw? Yeah, so I think that, you know, for me, you know, it comes to a point where, you know, you're in a lot of pain where you just begin to do things out of basically desperation. And, you know, one of the things that I uh, was doing was that, you know, at one point, yeah, I totally had depression and I was even, you know, suicidal at one point. I remember going on these walks in some not so great neighborhoods in my city and, um, you know, just trying to just walk, think about life and um, just try to end it. Um, have someone like I would just, you know, try to I would wish for someone else to kill me in like these super not so nice neighborhoods. And so um, that's what I did for a few weeks. And, you know, eventually I turned it around through, um, you know, a lot of uh, things in the spiritual realm that, um, that are in my book. But honestly, you know, there's this section in my book that's called um, First, My Gut Broke and Then My Brain Broke. And 
what I'm talking about here is previous, very close to the, the times where I felt like I was at my lowest. I also at that time I had, you know, not gained the freshman 15, but I had gained over like 65, 70 pounds in a very short amount of time, just through eating a ton of bad food. Now I was trying to fill the hole in my soul, that emotional pain <laughs> with pizzas and wings and candies every single day. And, um, as I went down that track, I realized that not only did my gut broke and what I'm talking about here is, um, so, I mean, it's crazy the fact that I began to do this at first, because now that I know the science and I know more about it, this is like, I'm so glad that I did this. And I think this was a big factor in me just changing my entire life and really healing. And that is that, um, so, you know, for me, like I always take, I try to take a scientific approach because, you know, it's cool to have an opinion and, you know, I didn't write a book to just talk about myself and talk about my story. Um, but it's, you know, really there as maybe even like a guide. And in there, you know, I talk about sort of like the neuroscience behind our existence. And I talk about, you know, the, the brain is very complicated, but um, one, one neurotransmitter called uh, serotonin that is highly implicated in a lot of different mental health issues, social anxiety being one of them, you know, has found some sort of a dysfunction when it comes to someone's produce, someone can produce too much serotonin or too little serotonin. And, you know, if you look at sort of like the medical world, um, they primarily make drugs that target this. And so this really is a key player. And so when you look at it, you know, a lot of people used to think previously that serotonin, since, since it's a neurotransmitter, it's in your brain, right? It's in the mind. Right. And the fact that you are all about the gut, you know exactly where this is going. <laughs> and, um, and so when you actually take a look at today's science, it actually says that the brain is actually like, it's definitely a player, but it's five, 10%. And what's really the main culprit, 90 to 95%, is our gut microbiome, which is our next to our stomach and our intestines. So anytime that you eat anything, your gut microbiome processes it and digests it. There's a lot of things like everyday foods that we cannot digest normally as humans. And so through thousands of years, our bacteria and cells have made a symbiotic relationship that has made us the most intelligent species on this planet. And so when I look back to my story and I was really facing a lot of mental health issues from anxiety, you know, my lifelong social anxiety went to social isolation. I probably formed like first serious depression uh, also at that time. And I began to become suicidal. I was, I was never suicidal ever in my life. Um, a lot of that was correlated, I think, with the food that I was eating, uh, that I was doing for emotional reasons that was physically impacting my body, which greatly impacted my mental health. And I mean, if you just look at it, you know, one of the craziest things about writing this book was just the sheer amount of verifiable science that is out there if you actually look for it. Like, I mean, you know, I talk about studies that like, for example, you know, they've done studies that take uh, kids, teenagers, adolescents, and they remove, they take them from, you know, American standard diet, junk food to 
a healthy diet, whole, whole foods, things that are just natural. And they saw a 100% impact on suicidal ideation. And, you know, I personally believe that a lot of mental health issues are half, half of it is you're not living the character you're supposed to be playing in this world. You're not being the person you actually should be living. You're not living in the truth of who you are. You're not in the right kind of, um, you know, environment, uh, an internal environment as well. And so um, I also think the other half is biochemical. And I think a lot of it has to do with our gut microbiome and how it can go into um, from symbiosis into dysbiosis. And that's what I believe happened to me and why I gained a ton of um, weight. And I also, you know, mental health. And so for me, the way I began to get out of social anxiety from just like a macro standpoint was I really began to like start eating healthy. Like I remember just the first time, you know, I just ate a natural diet. Like I just didn't eat anything processed. Then I just ate like a ton of um, just natural foods, like uh, a lot of uh, healthy fats, vegetables, just things that come from the ground and um, have been walking around on the ground and swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. that um, when I did that, like no strict diet or anything, I just felt my brain turn on for the first time in my life. And when that happens, you gain access to more energy. When you gain access to more energy, you gain more access to who you could become. And so when that happened, for me, I was super excited. I mean, I was definitely super excited. I kind of felt like I was playing in like this different dimension of like this, playing on like this different fidelity of life that I've never experienced before. And as I gained more energy and I started to do different things, like I began to walk around a lot more. And then I began to like, you know, eventually run. And then I began to uh, just exercise more frequently. And I began to then like read books for the first time ever in my life. And then I began to, you know, begin to understand and do a lot of these things, like a lot of these habits in this, in like books, like meditation and breathing and stretching and yoga and all these different things. And um, it set up the foundation for me to become successful. And then I began to tackle social anxiety through, you know, me exposing it, doing different kinds of techniques, methods, things that I had to learn by myself, things that I learned from other um, psychologists and researchers. And so, you know, that's it. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for all of that. And I, I would love to just bounce off of that for a moment and share a couple really cool facts. So like you said, 90 to 95% of serotonin is produced in our gut. And it's actually really interesting because serotonin, we affectionately know it as the happy feeling neurotransmitter, but it also plays a huge role in the function of our actual gut as well. It helps play a role in the MMC. It's called the migrating motor complex. It's the kind of the thing that happens in between Mm. meals, in between peristalsis. It's kind of the guys that come in and sweep up all the stuff out of our gut. It's this beautiful, like you said, symbiotic relationship where if our gut is healthy, we're producing serotonin, which makes our brain happy. And if our brain is happy, it's responding back and it's helping the function and health of our gut. Another really cool thing that I think you'll love is actually when we are being formed in the womb, the the same exact cells that start to multiply 
for to form our organs in our gut are the same exact cells that split and form the, the brain. It's, it's, they're literally made from the same cells. So when they say like this gut brain access is connected, it's because they're actually the same exact thing. That's why they look identical. <laughs> like the brain and the, and the intestines look exactly the same because it's, it, they're really made from the same cells. So it's so true. And something that you mentioned that is so important to me and, and what I see as well, and maybe for my, my clients and my listeners here, you know, measurable results are extremely important, right? So I love how you intuitively walked yourself through that journey and you started with the physical health because this is what I always say, how can we manifest the life of our dreams or talk about mindset work or walk into a therapist's office and start working on our brain if we're in physical pain every day, right? If I'm waking up and my stomach hurts and my, you know, my gut is in pain and my back is hurting and my shoulders hurt, how can I focus on what I call the abundance mindset, the belief that there is in fact enough of the good things in life to go around. If I'm just focused on the physical pain or the exhaustion, the chronic fatigue, the rashes on my skin, the migraines that I get, all of these symptoms that we start to sort of just write off as normal. Mm. So, you know, starting from this place where- And Chelsea, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what you just said of these things become normal, that's like the water. It just blends in the background and you don't even notice it anymore, but yet it's totally controlling your life. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. And this is like, you know, you and I could buzz off of each other for ages for this because I see it over and over and over again. And I always tell my clients, especially when we're working one-on-one, I say, listen, we're going to get to a point where in the first four weeks, we're going to target your physical health because that is going to give you the measurable results. Cause I also like to look at it from the science side. And then I like to bring in kind of the woo-woo side behind it. <laughs> but that measurable, those measurable results, right, are what is going to keep you showing up, yeah. right? It's going to give you the motivation to say, all right, let's talk the woo-woo. Let's talk the mindset. Let's talk about this abundance and manifesting that you so love to talk about and connecting it to my intuition because now I feel motivated and inspired, right? So let's take a step forward here. And I want to ask you, you know, did you see, reflecting back, can you see a personal shift in yourself? You know, you, you made this decision, you alchemized your life, you started to focus on your physical health, you started eating raw foods from the earth and from, you know, walking around and growing from the dirt. Did you personally witness your own shift from a scarcity mindset and the belief that, you know, there's really not enough love, health, safety, financial abundance to go around and I'm kind of just stuck? into one of this, actually, I am operating from abundance and there is enough room for success for everybody. Man, I feel like this is the best <laughs> podcast I've been on today. Um, Just today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's not over yet. But um, so first, I mean, I would say that I, I totally love what you said before. And for me too, I always start with uh, biochemistry too, because here's the thing. I mean, it's a lot easier. I mean, you know, there, I mean, food addiction runs rampant for sure, but it is a lot easier to get somebody to at least begin to put some of the right foods in their mouth and not put the wrong foods in. And I mean, for sure, it's tricky for sure, but, um, that is a lot easier than trying to get out there and conquer your biggest fear, whether it's social anxiety or whether it's something else. And so if you can 
put somebody on a path to make that easier. Like, for example, we know that people who have social anxiety, in my book, I talk about it. Generally speaking, they have in surveyed bigger amygdalas in part of their brain. And so when you kind of look at it from that perspective, you also have to realize that, um, you know, so it's funny, right? So my book is called Screw Being Shy, Learn How to Manage Social Anxiety and Be Yourself in Front of Anyone. And at first it was going to be learn how to eliminate social anxiety. And then I got thinking, I threw it between some people and they said, um, and I just came to the conclusion that that's basically, I mean, false advertising because um, there is, I think the problems that we have in life, I think those are the problems that need to exist for us to be alive. And for sure, you, like I went from going to, you know, social anxiety, having a 99% control on my life, having a neck hold on my life to just probably now it's like one, two percent. And so, um, I think that, um, because of that, I always have to realize that sometimes when I experience social anxiety, fear, I realize that I'm not experiencing social anxiety, but my brain is experiencing social anxiety. And what I'm talking about is the reason why a lot of people experience being shy, being overly shy and being socially anxious. And, you know, if you look at the statistics, 40 to 60% of adults in America, um, the percentage for that is um, about the same for kids. And when you look at that, you know, you, you almost sort of have to ask, why is this happening? And going back to what I said about people have bigger amygdalas in their brain uh, who have social anxiety, that's because we, we are inherited those. And so a major thing that I had to learn was just how human society has actually worked. And we come from, I came from my mom, my mom came from her mom, her mom came from her mom, her mom came from her mom, her mom came from her mom, and so on and so forth. And so the people that survived are the people that survived for a reason. And you look at the brain, the brain is an organ that is created to control us, our motor skills and a ton of other things, and to keep us to survive, keep us alive, not necessarily make us happy. And so when you look at social anxiety from sort of a human uh, anthropo anthropological evolutionary standpoint, it's like the reason why humans survived was because our brains are, we, we made packs with other people. We made groups. We were group creatures. And so not only did our brain evolve to detect physical threats in the environment, like, you know, the classic tiger in the bush scenario, or you have no more food left. What are you going to do? Or your house is burning, get out, run. Our brain is also, you know, I had this neuroscientist on my show, Dr. Don Vaughn, and he says, the brain is not a supercomputer. The brain is a highly malleable meta supercomputer organ that can make mistakes. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you realize that, you know, if, if, you, if we lived a thousand years ago, and you knew that if you were going to end up alone by yourself in like the woods or something, you were basically going to get eaten or something, or you were going to die hundred percent for sure. And the only chance that you had was group survival. You know, next time you're at, uh, you know, sitting by the campfire 
and you know there's some kind of like crazy like tribal meeting going on and you guys are talking about like who you're going to invade next because that was most of human civilization um not too long ago and um you know when you think about it and then you're like you know you maybe disagree with what a leader says or you um maybe lash out or something like that and you were exiled you know that was one of the most popular forms of um, punishment like get out of our village got out of our group and so our brain has created this fear to get us to survive and so when you look at it social anxiety is just a a product of this glitchy nervous system interacting with the rest of the world in a today that doesn't make modern coherent sense and so that's a big step and so the reason why i'm saying all this is because because when you look at it and you look at the different biochemical levels for sure it's like you can't like install the perfect software which is like the mindset the books that everyone reads all these different things if you don't have the right hardware first and so it's like you know trying to install ios 13 do like an iphone 3gs it's like it doesn't matter how hard you try like no matter how much you try to brute force it experience a benefit and I guess that's better than doing nothing at all but I think you're only gonna um you know only operate at the surface you're only gonna operate um at surface level areas and so for me I'm always looking at the biochemical uh piece as like a fundamental that you should start with like you said and so when it came when it comes to the story of um sort of like when I began to do this so it's like so after that moment where I looked at myself in the mirror after I was suicidal, for sure, that was a really integral moment in my life. But I mean, it's not like after that, I went home and I was like, all right, I want to change my life around. You know, I think I just begin to shift things around a little bit, but it was no matter, even how drastic that was, it was no like, um, super booster. But, um, I remember kind of taking this more seriously later on, like after several months had passed by, began eating um, super healthy, like I said. Of course, I lost the weight. And um, and I remember I had this moment with myself in the mirror again. <laughs> Man, you should sit in front of mirrors more often. <laughs> yeah, it's actually an exercise I do with my clients. I'm not kidding. Really? Stand in front of the mirror, saying I love you, yeah. <laughs> wow, you know what I heard once? I heard once uh, I was, uh, Tucker Max said this, which I don't know what your thoughts are on him, but uh, he said, he said, um, he said whenever he has to make a tough phone call, he looks in front of the mirror. And so, I mean, I don't know, that's something I have yet to try out, but there's, I, think, I guess there's something to it. And so I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I was just like beginning to, to eat healthy and exercise a little bit and sleep a little bit better. And I lost a ton of weight. And so I saw a change in physical reality. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, hmm, I made a decision. I deviated and something good happened. I like the way I feel. I like the way I look. Life is good. And so when I, when I have, when that happened, that's, I honestly, I think that's when the first time I actually understood that (laughs) self-development, self-improvement was a real thing. Up to that point, I just didn't know that you could change your life, improve it. Mm -hmm. I was just swimming in like the water. I was just swimming in that sort of gray fog. And, um, and so, um, and so, yeah. And so after I began to do that, I remember that's where I also began to meditate and I began to do that seriously, which totally opened up my life. And I remember 
I I actually remember the specific day because because it was super because it was super impactful in my life. And it was November sixth, uh, twenty sixteen. And I remember waking up from this nap, coming back from class in like the afternoon. And I remember I was in this um, like kind of like that uh, like just waking up state where you're kind of half asleep, half dreamy, half you know conscious, half starting to become awake. And I remember I just had like this overwhelming feeling of just urgency <laughs> of that, that, like I just had to move. And um, when I felt that, you know, I wasn't really kind of in my right mind, but I kind of had this idea that like, I just had to move because I wasn't moving. You know, I had, I had all these ideas in my head, but I was still sort of like half pregnant. And so I think I was getting my biochemistry and other things through like meditation, beginning to like calibrate the compass of who I was. And I was beginning to just detect what, what was right, what is wrong, and what should I do, what shouldn't I do. And so I just had this feeling that like, if I don't get up right now and just like make like a pact with myself or something that I'm just always going to be procrastinating for the rest of my life. I'm going to be one of those people that say, oh yeah, I'll do that next week. I'll do it later, later. Oh yeah, I'll focus on that when I'm this age or that and, and this. And then next thing you know, you're like 45 years old. You have like a full family, kids, all these different kinds of things. And you never actually made those decisions. And so I felt like I was doing that for like a decade of my life previously because I had social anxiety and I had so many regrets. And so I just was like, wait, I'm about to feel like another lifetime of this. Like I felt like I just faced a lifetime throughout like the last nine, 10 years. And if I know that like a lot of my problems are probably not going to be better if I don't do something about them, um, then uh, I just have to get up right now and not procrastinate and do this. And so I remember getting up not even really knowing what I was supposed to do. And I remember just like putting on my shoes and just like, all right, I'm just going to get out the door and I'm just going to walk and I'm just going to go to Target. And so, and so I was walking to Target like 20 minutes away um, in Boston. And um, I remember, I don't remember how I started to think about this, but I began to think about um, just like taking responsibility for who I was and, and almost taking ownership for, because what I realized is if you don't take ownership, you, you're not the one in control. And what I realized was, you know, first, there's a big difference between something being your fault and you being responsible for it. You know, so like a lot of terrible things have happened to a lot of us. And, you know, it's obviously it's like not your fault that, um, you know, your parents both broke up or passed away or something. But you are responsible for who you are right now because of those things and the way that they affect you consciously and unconsciously. And so I began to realize that because I also began to take responsibility for a ton of the great things that I need to give myself credit for and value for, for, um, you know, being able to like lift myself into a completely different, um, you know, lifestyle for me and my family at a very young age and doing a ton of other things that just more things that I did that I won't talk about for the sake of this time. Um, and just great things about me. And I knew at the core of myself, I had a great future and I had like, I, I knew I had like a big heart and I deep down, I cared for people. Um, and so, um, um, yeah. And so, so basically, uh, you know, I kind of realized that and I began to realize that responsibility 
uh, responsible, you break that word down, it, it equals uh, response able. You are able to respond to your life. You're not just reacting. You can actually have conscious control. And it's almost like, honestly, I feel like it's like whenever you sign up for like a new website or whenever you sign up for like a new app, they give you like this terms of service. And it's like this long thing. And it's like, hey, if you can check this box and just agree or just understand that these are just, this is just the way that life works. You need to understand the, um, the rules and parameters of life. And it's almost as if like, I feel like if you can take responsibility for that and understand the situation that you're in and agree and accept, then you can actually like get the controller. You can actually control and not just react unconsciously being in the flow of water and just feeling like you're just getting caught up in currents and then being upset and facing a ton of these issues and making a ton of problems. And so when I experienced that, I was like, okay. And I remember just like walking to Target and I just, I'm just like, I'm like just realizing all these things out. I get real emotional. I think I begin to cry. And I remember going to Target and I remember I was like, Hey, a ton of successful people talk about like vision boards and like going after what they want. And so I went to Target. That's awesome. So I went to Target bought a whiteboard and I was like, yo, I'm going to do this, write down some of my goals, write down anything that I think are like important, my values, priorities, um, quotes. And, and then I also, um, was like, I need to buy a journal because people keep talking about how writing is so great for you and journaling and all this stuff and how it can improve your mental health and the relationship that you have with your thoughts. And Mm -hmm. as well as fear, you know, there's that quote, that says um, uh, fear has no place on paper, you know, because it can get, it can be really easy to get caught up in the 25,000, 60,000, 25 to 60,000 thoughts that the average human emits every single day and just get caught up in your head and exacerbate different thoughts and believe them. But if you write them down, a lot of times I know for me, when I write them down, I'm like, oh, wow, I can't believe I was freaking out about that. Um, And so I was searching for journals and I was in Target and I remember seeing this one journal. Uh, Damn it, I wish I had it right next to me. But, and it was literally the only one left, I remember. And it had a question mark on it and a a question mark. Oh, boom. (laughs) And it said on it, boom. And it said on it, uh, uh, ideas become things. And that's what it said. And so ever, you know, I think ever since that point, that was a real line in the sand where I began to really take this seriously. And as I began to move across that, I remember maybe six, seven, eight, nine months down the road from that moment, like in early 2017, I remember, you know, heading out with a buddy of mine. And um, I remember just like walking outside. It was in the morning. And um, I remember just like looking up or no, I think, okay. So we were trying to cross the street and we were stopped by a red light. We were waiting for the cars. And so I remember just like looking up and I remember um, just seeing a ton of trees. I think it was fall, um, trees just falling down. And I remember seeing the sun and I just like felt like I experienced a degree, a, a massive shift in my physical, literal vision in what I was seeing. And um when I looked, you know, when I sort of realized that, honestly, I kind of felt like I just began to experience life at a much more vibrant level that I've never experienced before. And 
when that happened, you know, I began to dig into it and you look at it, um, going back to serotonin, that neurotransmitter, uh, they've shown in people who are uh, depressed, more anxious, that one of the things that serotonin does is it also has a role in your vision. And they've done studies that show people who are depressed, have anxiety, experience some other mental health issues. They literally see life in a more grayish, less colory, black and white world. And like, when I think back, it's hard to think back to the person who I used to be because it's just so different now. But when I think about it, I totally, I mean, now that I've so much time has passed, not a ton of time. It's definitely been, it's definitely not that been that much time. Um, that's where I felt like I had like a real, um, like almost like permanent shift, you know, and I, and I still have problems. I still have, you know, a ton of other, um, you know, issues just like everyone else. But, um, I think that for me was, was a real line in the sand that totally, you know, I'd been, then like soon after that, um, started my podcast, started doing a ton of other things. And that was, that's really well, I just, you know, I want to first and foremost to say thank you so much for sharing all of that because, uh, you know, it, it, like you said, it can be tough sometimes to reflect back on where we were. And it's amazing how quickly the mind forgets sometimes where we were, right? And, and where we are now. And, and it's something I have to help, you know, my people, my clients, my friends remember, rem- remind them of is remember where you were even just like five weeks ago? Because the brain is just this constantly growing thing. And I just want to touch on a couple of things and then we'll take a step forward. I'm so excited to talk about your podcast and your book and all the other great things that you're doing. So you mentioned so much about our thoughts, right? And how you started putting thoughts down on paper. And it's interesting to think how much importance we put in our thoughts. And I think for anyone listening to this today, it's really important to remember that you are not your thoughts, right? Just like Mark, what you said, we have been conditioned, trained, we have, you know, genetically been brought to this circumstances in our lives to where we're almost running off of, just like what you said, this character. It's not even who we're actually meant to be. And it's because we're putting so much importance into these thoughts that are not even ours. It's based on the conditions and the food and the generational trauma. And I 100% agree. It's one of my core values. You know, trauma was not your fault, but response, but it is your responsibility to heal, right? Trauma was not your fault. Healing is your responsibility and taking ownership is the very first step. And it all begins with awareness, right? So going down this journey and doing it alone can be very challenging, can be very scary. And, you know, even Tony Robbins, at some point he says, you know, we will compromise our morals in order to meet our needs. Mm. Right. And the three basic needs of human life, and this circles back around to that, you know, we are tribal people. The three basic needs are safety, love, and acceptance. And if any of those three things feeling are feeling like they're being torn away from us, we will compromise our morals. We will do things that are against our moral compass in order to meet those needs. And then that's when we start to really self-sabotage and we really start ruining all of these great things that we know we have the potential for, but we're letting fear drive the car instead of just being in the passenger seat. That's, you know, fear's there to help us not drive off the road, but we can't give it so much control and so much power. So, you know, for someone who's listening to this today, I I would love just to ask you if you could give just like maybe two or three quick tips for someone who's just like, yeah, this sounds super cool, but 
where do I begin? How do I not react to fear? You know, I, I like to say the power is in that moment between stimulus and reaction, but we are so reactive, right? We are so, our brain is so good at the game that it's playing. <laughs> so, you know, creating a little bit more pause between stimulus and reaction is really where our power is. So for someone that might even be feeling reactive to the things that we're talking about right now, what might be, again, just one or two quick actionable steps or tools that you could offer to them that, again, they're like, man, but I am a shy person. I'm interested in this, but like, where do I begin? <laughs> yeah. So where you begin, step one is go buy my book, Screw Being Shy. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, I think that everyone is exactly uh, where they are in life. And, um, you know, if not everyone wants to grow, then, you know, that's it. But, you know, honestly, for me, like I have read so many books. I have, you know, on my podcast, I have 500 plus episodes. I've interviewed almost 300 people. I have interviewed 300 people now. Um, not all of them are alive, but I have, and as like a result of being the person who I am in my career, I read so many books all the time. And I have honestly, again, for sure, I'm biased because it's my book, but I have yet to stumble across a book that is not, um, for specifically social anxiety, that is not a more complete guide on many different standpoints, right? Because listen, there have been many books written by many smarter people than me that are uh, doctors and psychologists and social behavioral experts uh, and some of those people have uh, endorsed my book and said it's awesome. But so many of those smarter people talk about maybe one aspect of social anxiety or being shy or not being true to yourself. If it's like it, how to expose yourself to this fear or how to, um, you know, improve your body language, how to have more authentic uh, communication. And for sure, you probably should read those books. But here's the thing. I mean, if someone is in a socially anxious state, they are in a place where they are operating from fear and scarcity and not uh, abundance and health and taking care of their mental health, not because of their fault again, but because they're still, they're about to get on that road to responsibility. Um, I have yet to find a book that actually um, shows you uh, how to basically understand things conceptually so that you understand the picture and you're able to inspire yourself and, you know, I didn't write a book to just talk about myself. I didn't write a book to just anecdotally talk about my story. I mentioned so much science. There's so many, I feel like my brain is fried because of the amount of research that I had to go through. But I mean, everything in this book and, you know, at the end of every chapter, there are literally exercises for you to do to figure out these things. Because honestly, Chelsea, like in two tips, I don't know <laughs> how to even begin to talk about fear, especially because I don't know what perspective everyone listening has. I mean, for some people, they may have, you know, started off on the right path in life and have just made incremental growth steps their whole lives. Some of us haven't been doing that and we've been ignoring a lot of things and neglecting things, which I feel like I was kind of in. And we don't even know the truth about ourselves. Like going back to the character of what you said, and so, so much of this has to play. So honestly, I just gave like a really elaborate pitch for my book. But um, I mean, listen, it's a short read. 
<laughs> no, it's perfect. Well, that's where we were going anyway. So this is perfect because I honestly am so super excited to get my hands on a copy of this book. And, you know, amongst all the science and the research, research that you did, I want to ask you, what role do you think acceptance and surrender might play in this journey? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so this is what happened, right? So when I was, um, when I was suicidal, once upon a time, when I was 18, in 2015, 2016, I had, like I told you, terrible social anxiety. And because of that, I had very low self-esteem, no self-esteem, and uh, very low confidence. And so at the same time, I also had a massive ego. And so a lot of people that don't really understand ego, they'll think it just means you're arrogant or you're overly confident or you're boasting. That's not what that means. And um, ego is the survival part of our brain that is in the lateral prefrontal cortex that is responsible for the survival managing of the self. And, you know, if you look at, for example, I, you know, if you ever heard of flow, which is, for example, um, a scientifically verified state of consciousness where you um, feel a sense of timelessness and it's defined as when you feel your best and perform your best. And it's like those moments where you're super focused on doing something that's like you love or sometimes not necessarily. And looking up after like two hours and being like, wow, damn. And so um, I think that when they look at that, not I think that um, in scans that they've done with people on flow, they have shown that in the lateral prefrontal cortex, it goes dim which is the ego. And so I remember on those times when I was suicidal, what I was actually trying to do looking back at it was I was trying to kill my ego. I was trying to kill the default unconscious version I had created of myself to start off on a new path. And, you know, I believe on one of those nights, I, I definitely did do that. And one of the things that I had to realize was that when I kind of felt, um, a warm feeling of intuition that enabled a conscious break that was able to bring me to the present moment to realize what I was doing in my life. What ended up happening was I realized like, wow, I just felt this emotion. I just had this experience that I've never felt before. Maybe I don't know everything about life. Maybe I'm not exactly sure about how I should be doing things. Maybe I need to learn. Maybe I need to open my mind. And so I think I surrendered right then and there to, you know, the name of my podcast, Humans 2.0. I think I surrendered to version 1.0, right? And I went on to the path of 2.0. And so I think that, um, you know, that's how I think of it. And, um, you know, I think in terms of acceptance, I think, you know, if you don't, um, I mean, if you don't accept who you are and look at your inadequacies and your flaws, then you can't take responsibility. You can't own it. And you can't own it. You can't control it. So Amen to that. that's what I it's all so about. Much of it, I think so much of it comes back to that control thing too, right? It's like we have this great fear that shit's going to hit the fan. And we try to control everything in our lives in order to prevent that from happening. And in reality, that 
action of trying to control just keeps working against us and working against us and keeping us playing small. So for me, definitely the, the act of reassessing, accepting, and then surrendering is a very active every single day process. So, um, you know, I, I want to round this out as well and, and honor your time and also the time of my listeners, but I have to ask you one question. And if, if anyone listening to this has not had a chance or heard of Humans 2.0, get out from underneath the rock that you've been hiding and have a listen because it's powerful stuff. And uh, I got to ask you in regards to humans 2.0, were you even able to dream at the time of launch, right? Season one, episode one, humans 2.0, that it would grow into what it is now. (laughs) Uh, It's the funniest question I've heard all day. Um, (laughs) I mean, I, th- I think for sure when I started, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> man, I remember my first podcast, I actually literally recorded it right here. And <laughs> that's so crazy. And I remember um, dressing up from the top down. <laughs> and I was just wearing sweatpants. And I just had like a dress shirt on. <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> Some things don't change. Some things don't nope. change. Um, fly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, so yes, yeah, so I remember like looking at it and I was so nervous and I was so worried and for sure I hadn't, I had no expectations, but also I think at a deep level, um, I mean, I think that, you know, I had to, um, I definitely think that for sure I have like, you know, of course I don't know what it would look like. I don't know exactly what it's like when it actually happens in the real world, but for sure I had. I have, and I think I've always had in my life to some degree, some layer of just a deep-seated knowing of um, love and that it's all going to work out. And so I feel like I, to a sense, I definitely knew this was going to happen, 100%. To a degree, maybe not a podcast, but I mean, you know, and, you know, I'm only 22, so I'm just trying to set the right foundations up because, um, you know, when I'm 30, I can only imagine what I'm going to be doing, so... um, You know, just trying to do it. Yes, yes, yes. It's that bringing it back to trust, that surrendering to trust and following that intuitive knowing, right? That clairsentience that I just know I'm destined for greatness. And I know if I just keep showing up, I will help. Of course, you got to start bettering yourself first so that you can create that ripple effect and better the world. Because otherwise, I mean, like you said, the five regrets of the dying, I don't want to look back and think, damn, I should have done this. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I would say that, I honestly felt like what you just said for number one of um, kind of like going through that process uh, for sure. Like that's awesome, but it is like the software. And I felt like I honestly was trying to do that for like ever since I was born. I feel like that's what we're all trying to do. But sometimes it's like the biggest thing that I've had to learn is that you cannot think your way to a better life. You know, you, I mean, depending on how far you want to go to me, I kind of view it as you have to burn. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the times what happens is, you know, if there's like a forest fire or something, you know, and there's combustion on the ground, that same substance is used to fertilize the soil to then create a, a bigger, healthier, stronger tree. And so, you know, it's all just cycles of life and uh, mm-hmm. the state of existence that we're in. But um, 
you know the phoenix rises from those ashes right for sure yeah it's funny it's, it's like getting caught up in that analysis paralysis i like to say it's like my people who are like i'm just stuck in this like overthinking mode yeah, it's the analysis paralysis. You're overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. Let's surrender and throw it up to trust in the greater good and just come back to just show up. Just do your work. Do your work and all is coming, right? Sri Pratabhi Joyce really knew what he was talking about. So I have like two you said, questions. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like you oh, said, no. like you said, um, the mind is the best at its own game. So it is so powerful. It's really good at playing the games that it plays and we don't even realize. It's like, I always do this thing with my fingers. It's like, all right, we're trying to rewire, you know, neurons that, neurons that fire together are wired together, right? And we have to like rewire literally the neurons in our brain. You can look it up on YouTube. There's a really cool video in order to start rethinking. And yeah, it's a huge process to get there. And you, you have to start with the physical. You have to start where you have the most control. It's like the yoga practice. You have to start with your breath. You got to start with your body. You got to get those initial like adrenaline, cortisol, measurable results of like, yeah, I'm feeling good. Okay, what's next? So let me ask you, Mark, what's next? Where can our listeners go find you? Where can they get a copy of your book, Screw Being Shy? Amazon. Um, go to my, you can go to my website, which is just my first and last name.com. M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com. And uh, there you can check out my book, podcast, uh, all the stuff, contact information, social media, uh, phone number. Um, yeah, just some cool things. Talk awesome. to me on LinkedIn. Have, yes, I'll definitely have all of those links, of course, in the show notes. And then I always love to round out my podcast with asking everyone on the show, and I'll be really curious to hear your answer here. What does the term optimal health mean to you? <laughs> so, I mean, to me, when I look at the word optimal, it means peak performance. It means the best of the best. You're tweaking the knobs and layers. You're trying to always, you know, get whether it's bigger incremental increases, changes, and so it, optimal health, I mean, that to me is just how I would define the human experience. Because if you truly understand what optimal health means, you know it's not just about the physical. And you know it's not just about your thoughts. And you know it's not just about optimizing this one area in your life. And that a lot of things are interconnected. And so that to me just means like, that's, that's what I'm just living. You know, or I'm trying to do that. And I think as life progresses, there is no point of arrival. There is no point of you one day getting to a, a spot where you have no problems and you have no uh, things to improve. And so I think it's always going to be a moving target. But that to me is like the ideal life. Yes. Boom. Amen to that. It is a journey, right? And just like circling it back around, being relentless in the pursuit of it, you got to be. You got to be relentless because, and doing it together is really the only way that it's possible because it's it's worth it in the end. Otherwise, when we look back and if life wasn't joyful and it wasn't pleasant and it was, you know, it was full of regrets, then what what was the point of it all? So, Mark Metri, this has been absolutely surreal. I am so grateful. And this is when I'd love to say, damn, you damn. made it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> damn. <laughs> That's made my day. Thank you so much, Mark. I hope you had as much fun as I did. And I really, really appreciate you. I wanted to take a quick moment to give you, my community of listeners, some genuine appreciation. 
I know how valuable and precious our time is in today's world of productivity, and I couldn't be more grateful for yours today. If you feel that this episode was of value to you, I would be even more grateful if you were to share it with your people. Go ahead and copy and paste that link into messages, or if you're feeling really creative, pop a screenshot of the episode into your Instagram stories and send it on over to that person in your life who might need this boost of inspiration today. Don't forget to tag the podcast handle Let's Start Health and my personal account, The Yogi Yachty, so we can have all the fun connecting, building community, and sharing all the things. Thank you again, and remember, be curious and unwavering on this journey to health.